All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you to everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and even Strokes for all their incredible support, as without them, none of this would be possible. We have an action-packed show ready for you today as we look back on the MXGP of Spain and take stock of the state of play in MXGP in general after another fascinating round that certainly threw up many storylines. I'm Ed Stratman, your host. All right, for this one, we have the main man back, um, Lorenzo Resta. How's life, mate? Been a busy couple of weeks in Portugal and Spain, but... um. Everything's good. Yeah, hi Ed. Uh, it's a pleasure, like always. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great weekend. Uh, we had plenty of uh, uh, good stuff to see uh, during the weekend. Uh, nice races in all categories, I have to say. So it was uh, it was quite um, a really a cool a cool event. Yeah, it looked looked like a, the the crowd, the buzz, and the atmosphere with it was really pumping with Prado and Fernandez, obviously the home riders and. And a host of other guys like Braceras and Congos and even you know Nilsson is classified as Spanish. And um yeah, it just looked like a good weekend. The, the sport generated a lot of interest. There was a lot of coverage from national media, wasn't there? And just generally looked like it went down well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Don't forget Daniela Guillen, uh, that uh yes. was uh really honestly, I have to say it was Cool. A little bit noisy uh, from the speakers, but um, they, they had two speakers on the tower. Uh, one, I don't know the name, is a Spanish one who was screaming all time, even if uh, the guy was fighting for the top 20. Like, I don't know. That was amazing. But the other one was uh, Iker Larranaga, former MX2 rider that I know quite well. And uh, it was really technical and, uh, and professional. And it was honestly really, really good to have... Uh, you know, it, it sounds a little bit like when you're in Italy and you have uh, Giancarlo Ricciotti that is uh, uh, making the commentary because it's something that uh, sometimes is missing, you know. This kind of commentary is really helpful, like we had in Portugal also, but not always. And having it, it's it's really, really nice uh, because the people can follow the action and have some information and it's really important. Uh, the crowd were just great. Uh, I mean, uh, so loud. It was fantastic. Uh, in, the, in the press conference, Jeffrey said that uh, in the in the second moto, he was able to understand if uh, the, the Spanish guys, Prado and Fernandez, were gaining a little bit or not. Uh, just listening at the public uh, on the on the main grandstand, that uh, because it was amazing. Honestly, they were so loud that they covered even the noise of the bikes. Uh, what it's commonly really loud. But and something not common, you know, for motocross, and it's so nice because uh, it gives a lot of atmosphere. It's a little bit like at the nations or um, uh, big special events like that one. But uh, I'm pretty sure that in um, in front and all the organizers till now, maybe a little bit a part of Sardinia, but the rest they were really really happy with the, the attendance at the at the events because uh, we had always uh, full 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 gps with uh, plenty of uh, spectators like argentina was full uh, then i said sardinia wasn't that good but uh, it's also because it's little it's an island not so little it's the biggest in the mediterranean sea but uh, uh, there are not, not so many fans over there even if the track is superb uh, but then we went to switzerland was completely full amazing with the grandstands also there uh, Arco di Trento was fantastic, uh, one of the best ever, probably even without uh, uh, guys as fans and uh, without Tony on the on on the grid. 
uh, and then uh, we moved into Portugal, who was really good with all the fans from Prado and uh, Fernandes, because they live closer to Agueda yes. than to Madrid, uh, the, the town where they live, where they're born uh, in Galicia. Uh, Lugo, for example, for Prado, is way closer to, to Agda than to uh, Madrid. But then in Madrid, again, it was fantastic. I have to say also that this uh, organization in, in, in uh, Arroyo Molinos uh, that is called Last Lap, they are great. They do a fantastic job. They're really professional, first of all. So everything is clear. When you arrive on track, you know exactly where is everything. Where is the pit lane? Where is the media center? Where the grandstands? Which ones? And there are entrance for every ticket you you buy. So if you buy a ticket for a one sort of uh, grandstand, you have a specific entrance. So you go there. There's yeah. plenty of parking because it's a big, immense commercial center. We had a good uh, media event in the. We went to a big uh, aquarium that is honestly surprising because it's just an aquarium of a, of a commercial center, but it's bigger than many I I know. Uh, we we had the um, opportunity to ski because there is a, a ski track, a little one, but uh, but amazing because so it's so warm there. And uh, and then we went to the bowling, uh, playing a little bit with the, with the riders, and maybe this was the funniest one because. Uh, at that time, uh, you know, the, the the riders come back a little bit like kids and uh, they play, really play. Yeah. And it's always funny. So you had the chance, uh, you have always the chance in the, during those events to to stay closer to the riders, to talk with them. And But sometimes, I have to say, honestly, those events are boring and we yeah. don't appreciate always and we don't <laughs> go to, to the media events, even if we must go. But but this time was funny. Was everyone was happy there, you know? And uh, so I have to say honestly, this GP is very well organized. Now we don't know if uh, we will come back to Arroyo Molinos or into Xanadu, into Xanadu as, as they also call the commercial center, because just uh, of um, the possibility that the commercial center get bigger, and so they will maybe take. This part of the, the 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 fields, the ground, just to to build up some more stuff. Oh. In this case, to me, it would be not the shame for the track. Who I honestly am not a big fan of this kind of track, but it would be a shame uh, of the overall picture because we are close to one of the biggest airport uh, in Spain, uh, probably the second, maybe behind Barcelona or the main. I don't know, uh, but uh, there's a big airport. There's a lot of rental cars. There's a lot of hotels all around. So the event stays quite cheap with the prices for the, the people who attend the event from outside. Uh, the highway is just in front, so easy to arrive there. Parking is not an issue, never. What is sometime in motocross, uh, as you can imagine, but yeah. you don't park your car in the middle of a field, but you have a lot of parkings uh, that are clean and and it's very well organized. Uh, yeah. But there's a possibility that we go back to Belpuich, that is in Catalonia, where uh, nearby Lerida, where we have been for a long, long time. And it's a really nice natural track, uh, even if one day, I don't know if it was maybe 2007 or 8, probably 2008, it was completely flooded during an event and uh, they had to, they were forced to cancel one uh, one moto. But for the rest, maybe there is also possibilities that we the possibility that we go to Lugo, uh, yeah. born town of Prado, where they had a national uh, championship event this year, and everyone said that the track is fantastic, a little bit similar for the soil to Argentina, maybe, uh, maybe not so big and wide, but really nice. But we have to say to see if uh, there is uh, the chance to go 
because of um, the nature of the place is not so big. Uh, the paddock maybe is not big enough. Anyway, whatever we will go, Tavera de la Reina or the Red Sand, I think that we still will have a Spanish GP for many years due to the fact that there are a lot of good Spanish riders coming up, even if, uh, and, and a lot of public so, because uh, they're really uh, probably not so passionate about motocross. I remember in 2005 and six, I had uh, Garcia Vico in, uh, on the team, yes. and he was, one, was the best Spanish rider Till probably Jonathan Barragan, uh, but uh, and maybe for titles or something, I don't know, even uh, probably a little bit better than Jonathan. But uh, uh, there were not so many uh, Spanish motocross fans. The, uh, now, with those young guns coming up, uh, of course, Prado first, and then now Ruben, it's uh, it's nice to see so many people passionate. They all have wear the cap, they all have a little flag, they all cheer really loud. And uh, and it's amazing, honestly, really really nice. It gives uh, plenty of atmosphere, and uh, it's an opportunity that like cities like uh, Madrid looks they are really looking for because the web full of uh, uh, publicity of uh, of the city of Madrid, the uh, community of Madrid. What means that they take care about and they know that it's a good opportunity for them to just. Uh, show what they can do to to the world and uh, and this is really important and spain is uh, is a key country in our going around in europe with the championship uh, so i'm pretty sure that we will uh, go there for many years and always with a good organization so i'm really happy about this weekend yeah it looked it looked good obviously it's good for fans that are new to the sport that kind of a facility because with grandstands and it's like a nice entry point um you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff's done well because obviously motor track, motocross tracks um, have their issues with uh, your toilets, parking, um, just the general vibe of the of you know knowing what to do for people that are foreign to it. So, on that sense, they did good. But um, yeah, I remember the Lugo preseason race and Prado and Fernandez had some pretty good battles, and I think Fernandez even yeah, won. yeah, the track looked did very have did did very much so have um Argentina vibes with the soil and some of the yeah. undulations in the track and the jumps and the different options. And yes. Yeah, it, it looked pretty cool, mate. So, um, but yeah, it's yeah, I suppose it would be of... funny also to, you know, to visit a different place that we don't know, that we haven't ride, uh, haven't been like with a, with a GP. And it was so cool, honestly, to see so many riders from uh, road racing coming uh, yeah. over there. Uh, and, and just, I have to mention just a couple of like the brothers, uh, Markets brothers. They were there. They were on track. They have been there looking uh, alongside with the general manager of HRC, Marcus Pereira de Freitas, uh, to just being explained, you know, how it works out. Because they, you, you feel that they're really, truly passionate. Yeah. They they weren't there just, you know, to show themselves, to, to take pictures or being on a video. They were there because they love motocross. And this is an ex uh, way for us to communicate to the rest of the world how cool is motocross. Yeah. If if people that come from one of the what is considered the major sport for for motorbikes that is yeah. MotoGP, they moved from Catalonia from wherever they they come just to be there and be part of the event and looks look from for from close to what they consider kind of. Uh, aliens on riding a motocross bike because I heard some of the comments I spent little time alongside with the markets brothers and it was like oh my god oh look at that oh wow you know in Spanish of course but uh, yeah. it was fantastic um, to see one of the, the the most iconic rider ever probably that is Mark Markets 
looking at other riders doing another moto another motor sport, but close and all those riders they love to do motocross when they are mm. free. And to be so like you know, like astonished about what they do with their bikes. And those guys understand really they're able to see technically what they do, what the other guys are able to do. And that that's for me as no price, you know. So it's uh it's really nice. Yeah, they had lots of um interviews with the Moto Three and obviously Marquez. Yeah, those riders are on the TV and it was pretty cool. And yeah, obviously those guys train heaps on motocross, like you'd know you yeah. see Mil- Miller loves it. Um and Davizioso is even he loves it so much he's raced. Um a, a man you yeah. know very well, but um he's good friends with Ferrato as well. And yeah, yeah I a lot. With, um when I spoke to Ferrato, he said uh Dobby's always trying to get him to watch the Motor GP and he always says, yeah. I put I put it on the USB stick, you watch me, you watch me, you'll love it. And then Al- <laughs> Albie says he never watches it. He's like, nah, 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 don't have time. So it's a, <laughs> it's a funny little dynamic they have, but it's good how they yeah. have respect for each other. Yeah, and just to make you a couple of examples, of course, like Alberto and Andrea Dovizioso, they share the same trainer. So this helps a lot in create connections and they go training uh, often uh, together and they, they love to share a lot. Andrea is uh, such a kind of uh, really curious guy. They yeah. want to understand everything. Yeah. Like probably this, is, this was his main problem during his career to try to understand everything because then when you know everything maybe sometime you are you know scared about that something can happen yeah. but he's so precise i spent um when we reopened majora uh, one year ago two years ago uh maybe two years ago uh, we make we made like an event and andrea came uh, alongside uh with for example um gutier polen and a few other riders and they spent time together on track Andrea spent his day talking with Gautier and tried to make start on the grid together with Gautier. <laughs> and Gautier was there and he said to me, give me, give me Andrea his phone. And he said, Lorenzo, film me, film me, please, because I need to see what I'm doing wrong. And then Gautier was explaining exactly how to release the clutch, how to do everything. And he was trying and trying like, Big passion for this sport. Yeah. And another one is uh, Danilo Petrucci, that yep. I'm really happy that he will race in uh, Le Mans with, uh, with uh, the Ducati factory bike. But you know that just after the um, Superbike event, he went to Barcelona trying the Stark Future bike. And he was yeah. so excited about this bike, about how it goes, how it runs. And, and he's another guy who is always passionate about motocross. I remember one day they were in Doha for testing or GP, I don't remember, but maybe it was the first event of the year or the pre-season test. But uh, he, he sent me a message saying, Lorenzo, I'm not able to buy uh, the, the video pass to see the Internazionale d'Italia, but I don't want to miss any action. Yeah. And so I was trying to fix it and to give him a video pass. And then he was going to Thailand, maybe or some something like that for the next event. And, and he tries in the airport uh, and I saw a picture he was with his phone looking at the Internazionale d'Italia so not a, the world championship but they really they don't want to miss and Andrea is the same eh? Andrea doesn't miss one race yeah. and he said when well, I cannot see it live because I'm doing something else so at the time he was riding uh, as a pro he was looking at the not at the highlights but he was looking at the entire race uh, after yeah. Uh, delayed just to to see and he said I cannot miss one and he also in, Andrea do the same with Supercross too he yeah. look at all the events all the main events of Supercross he don't miss one so this tells you really a lot of uh, 
the potential of our sport that uh, will always remain a little bit minor compared to the others, yeah. but this effect because the industry is, is smaller compared to to to, to road and the, the potential of the industry is a little bit uh, minor of of course also compared to cars, but still yeah. it's a sport that is fantastic, amazing, and uh, the really the top athletes of the motorsport they really love to see motocross. Yeah, they, they love it and they, they definitely respect the the guys that are, that are doing it and they definitely got treated to a pretty good show with um Hurling's yeah, breaking the record and just a pretty flawless yeah. performance, mate. He's put the charges on and handled all those big ruts and jump faces, ledges. Um it was all sorts of there. Those ruts had some big snakes in them, didn't they? And they would have been filled up with all sorts of sort of rocky, crumbly dirt. So a lot of the guys were sort of whoever could get through those the best. And obviously Hurlings and Simon sort of showcased themselves really well. Obviously, really tragic. Simon's obviously broken yeah. his arm. That news has just come out. And it was a there was a lot of casualties this weekend with Fevera missing and that big, big crash. And um, looks like he's going to be okay for France, his home GP in a couple of weeks. And then Renault, obviously, with the broken foot, which is um, pretty much taken those two guys out of contention. So now we're down to Hurlings yeah. and Prado. And Prado still picks up the points, uh, lots of points, but not really those maximum totals which he which he wants on the on the race day again. But um, yeah, qualifying very good as well. But yeah, how was it yeah. from your perspective and being there? Hurling's just clocking off the race wins, up to three overalls now. He's uh he's motoring now, he's got the momentum and he's coming to Fox Hills this weekend. So hard to see anyone stopping him at this point. But like you saw with the Supercross and Tomac and Renault and Beverly, it's just one false move or one bit of bad luck, and this sport bites you, doesn't it? Yeah, there are plenty of uh, of of uh, good good points here because uh, okay, we start from Prado. That was probably the most yep. disappointed on track, even if he still uh, got a little smile because he he was able to keep his uh, red plate, but he lost a lot of points. Not only this, he lost uh, at home, uh, where he was expecting probably to be a little bit stronger, a little bit... Uh, he won already this event, uh, you know, the track. I mean, even if he rides only once per year, but uh, like um, Jeffrey didn't ride last year as he was injured. He was expecting more. That It's, it's sure. Uh, he was still on the podium, so okay. But, you know, same points with Ruben, your... Uh, uh, same uh, same country. Uh, I think that this was even probably worse than losing points uh, to to Jeffrey, because uh, he won two world championship. Is in the class uh, since more time than than Ruben, and I'm pretty sure that uh, without saying nothing bad, that he he considered himself much better than uh, than Ruben. His position in uh, in the standings at the moment tells this and his history also and results. So he was really disappointed. Uh, Ruben did the fantastic second moto, uh, a good solid first, but fantastic second moto allows him to, to be on the podium and this was really, really important for him who was really uh, happy compared to, to Jorge. Um, Jeffrey, Jeffrey is honestly on a kind of mood that is really uh, difficult to to predict. Uh, I mean, not difficult to predict uh, next victories in the next events because uh, without uh, uh, Maxime uh, with Roman, that I don't know if it will be a hundred percent and stuff like that in France, it will be tough for uh, everybody for all the riders that want to to try to beat him. But uh, I asked him during the press conference uh, about uh, the fact that he said in Argentina. Uh, he was answering to to the question, to the direct question about how many races will you do uh, in between the GPs, you know. 
and he said, I will do all the races uh, uh, that I consider uh, important uh, to do as I am in 100% of uh, my um, condition. And so I asked him, maybe you now are close to this 100% and will you still do all the events around MXGP? And he said, yes, yes, yes. I will, for the moment, my plan is to do all the events till I am at the top. Well, so what means, I don't know, uh, maybe better not discover it soon because otherwise the championship is gone. What is sure is that he has this kind of uh, really good control. I don't feel that his bike is perfect uh, looking up on the track, but I feel that his riding is coming back to a perfect condition. So he's playing a lot uh, with the others. Uh, he's waiting Saturday. He was not disappointed to to be second. He was even uh, with a little smile saying, ah, better to leave something to them on Saturday and then take it back on Sunday. Uh, is his home GP? It's okay like that. Tomorrow will be mine. And it was. So this is, you know, a kind of uh, uh, mood that you have only when you're really calm and quiet and sure about yourself. Uh, coming on the injuries, uh, I have to say that uh, Roman's crash was absolutely violent. Mm. It was uh, contact probably uh, with the rear wheel of a Honda rider, uh, of uh, the Belgian, who's riding for Jackie Martens, uh, um, Van Donning, yep. possibly, because then Van Donning wasn't able to, to brake well and he went out of the track was uh, really without any purpose it was a racing crash but the way it was going on the ground was really violent and this uh, make me think a little bit about those starts uh, the, the the straight line of the start is so long that they came into the first corner to an amazing speed or an incredible speed or a scary speed yeah depends how do you look at the picture uh because Really, the, the it was fast. It was really, really fast and quite not so tight because then we didn't saw so many accidents at the start. Even if with the girls, then again, uh, it, it was forcing Chiara Fontanesi to to uh, get out of the race. But uh, still, uh, this start was really long and uh, quite tricky. But um, a part of this, Roman was ready to race. Uh, he mm. went to the hospital and he went six hours to the hospital, 10 o'clock p.m. He went back. Uh, and he wrote to his team uh, manager, Antti Pironen, that he wanted to ride uh, on Sunday. So he was feeling okay. Every kind of test they did at the hospital was okay. It was positive. I mean, negative depends. Again. Yeah. It was fine. I mean, that's yeah. uh, the most important. And he was completely fine as he wanted to ride, but then it wasn't allowed by the medical committee commission from the FIM or the local medical commission wasn't allowed to write what I clearly understand 100% but that's just to tell you that in France he will be back 100% physically mentally I don't know because every time you're knocked out or every time there's a crash that is so big there is uh takes time to come back I remember when Roman had this so bad crash in uh, Matale Basin it took so long before he take back the confidence. At that time, he was with Yamaha, and I remember talking with the with with the, the manager, with the people there. They they said that it took time to to come back after you are knocked out because uh, there is something in your mind that is still a little bit, you know, um, maybe you're scared, maybe I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, 
difficult to think to imagine a motocross rider scary about riding but there is something mm. that breaks you up a little bit uh, somehow uh, yeah, Jeremy Sewer what... had that little um, he had that concussion was it in Argentina last year and he, he yes. that he took it took quite a while to get back to himself just feeling wise and obviously confidence wise yes yes and uh, for what concern uh, Maxime Renault I have to say that um, everyone is really sorry about mm. and uh, because this injury is really bad it's the same uh, that Jeffrey Angling, Erlings had in the uh, past, uh, before the last one. And it's a kind of crash uh, that uh, uh, can take really long time. I was surprised to see that Jeffrey went into his owning, into Rene owning, talking with him, saying, of course, that he was sorry, but to give him some advice. And uh, he was looking, I think, at the pictures. Uh, they were talking a lot. Then he said, of course, there are some medical stuff I cannot say because it's private. But uh, he said, I said, go there, make this kind of operation, not this other, because they did the first operation they did to him, it was wrong. Yeah. He had seven operations, uh, seven operations on the foot, uh, Jeremy. And uh, so he said, now I know as a doctor <laughs> what is better. And he said, it looks exactly as what I had when oh. uh, you remember when he was crashing in Spain while training, um, touching the wall with the, uh, the ground wall uh, with, with this boot. And it looks quite the, quite similar. So it's uh, nice in a dramatic uh, moment, you know, nice to see yeah. him going there and talking with, uh, with, with Maxime in this way. Uh, so Renault will be out for a season, that's yeah. sure. So we lost him till next year, and it will be, it will take a, a while before he come back in the kind of mood he was. Not only he was also injured to a shoulder before this yeah. crash, uh, in between Spain and Por Portugal and Spain he was injured while training, and he had some issues in Portugal with the bike, and not only again. So he said I was living really a bad moment, and at the end this happened. Uh, something that uh, was of course unpredictable but uh, uh, it's our sport and uh, shit happens uh, as they said the riders and uh, I mean we have to deal with this this is the same for Simon uh, Simon uh, mm. had probably his best ride uh, almost ever uh, really similar to what he did last year in Materli Basin uh, while he was surprising everyone with a double victory without anyone able to contend him the victory this was exactly the same. It was the fastest on track. And uh, he didn't win the qualifying race. It was third. But if you look at the lap time, uh, in the middle of the qualifying moto, uh, he did his best lap time. What was more than one second quicker than Gertz. So the best lap time of the qualifying race was from Simon and was more than one second quicker than the best lap time of Gertz. Yep. And... I was talking with Claudio and Davide De Carli during the dinner in the Rebel station, and they said, "Did you saw this lap?" I said, "Yes." This said a lot about his potential. Tomorrow he can fight for the win, and he won, and he won straight, you know, without any kind of doubt. Iago uh, wasn't able to to get closer. It was riding perfectly without doing any mistakes. Uh, it was really good. Yeah, and then the day after you don't ride because you have to travel, you have to come back home to wash your clothes. 
the day after again, you go back for a little train, also because it was a beautiful day before the rain, because today is raining and tomorrow will rain again. And not, uh, you had a, you have a crash, uh, you broke your arm. I think not in such a nice way because he needed the operation. So yeah. I knew yesterday evening that uh, they, they had to make this operation during the night. And today I sent him a message just to say sorry. And uh, it's a shame because if you look at the season, uh, six races, six times in the top 10, always, and every moto, three moto, one win. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that kind of uh, good mood where he could fight for a final podium for sure, as he did last year. Maybe coming back a little bit, maybe putting under pressure Iago. Maybe he was the only one at the moment that was able yeah. to put under pressure Iago. Without him, uh, MX2 lose a big, big, big piece of, uh, of, of the show, you know, because now for Iago it would be easier. Yeah, and I only spoke to him yeah a bit over a week ago after Portugal. He didn't have his best day, but he he knew he wasn't too worried about it. He knew the better days were no. ahead, and obviously they were ahead. And it was um yeah, he's just so happy. He's kind of like Adamo, has a good attitude. Um, really happy yeah. to be and grateful to be where he is, and grateful to his family and girlfriend and the support. And um yeah, he's yes. a really good young rider, and it's just sad. And hopefully we see him back on the gate soon. And yeah, it was really great insight about him, um, Renault and Hurlings. Um. There, obviously, yeah, you, you read read the post where he sort of, yeah, same words like difficult to accept and, you know, yeah, thanks everyone, but my time will come. And then he said, trust me, it will come. And it's hard not to imagine uh, his time coming, yeah. mate, that's for sure, because he's, uh, he's, uh, he's got that sort of, like hurling, that that mindset that's just vicious, yes. intense, um, relentless, um, dogged, never give up. And um, another guy you, um, well, we were all excited to see um, getting on the podium. His first one was Guadagnini. Uh, how good was that? They go on three three. He finally got the starts and he held it together um, against his highly fancied teammate as well. He he looked really good through those ruts, um, nice and smooth, long legs, technically sound. He sort of held his own, kept uh, hurlings honest at various points, and the speed was good. Um, the line selection was good. Um, he had that massive moment where he dragged his foot and sort of had your heart in your mouth saying, "I'm not, not another one." But um, yeah, he withstood <laughs> pressure at various stages in the motos and just managed and controlled his race as well so how was it obviously you know those boys really well so great day all around for him yeah and uh, we had the chance to travel together coming back to rome and uh, i have to say that was the happiest uh, i mean i'm pretty sure that he was happier than than uh, uh jeffrey for for the record uh, for the all time yeah. record it was it was happier because uh, for him <laughs> this first podium at mxgp means a lot we are really now i think exactly and I'm one year of yeah. riding MXGP. So it was the right moment. Uh, it was close. Again, I have to say, it looks like uh, I'm telling stories, but it's not. Dinning, Saturday evening, Davide this time, not Claudio that was talking about Simon, but Davide told me, tomorrow he can win, but podium for sure. And we were all, oh, okay, fantastic. But yeah, no worries. He's in the right mood. He's in the right speed. He believes in himself. He, he put all the everything together. If uh, there's nothing wrong, can be on the podium for sure. It will be on the podium, but he can even win. Uh, then one moment I was even believing that uh, that was true. <laughs> he could uh, win the race, yeah, but without their links for sure. But there was a moment when we really 
full of emotions. Uh, um, Mattia is one guy that don't keeps nothing for himself. You know, he put out emotions, he put out uh, whatever he thinks, and uh, and it was so nice to see this kid stopping after at the end of the race. Then Prado went there congratulating. Uh, uh, even nicer than this was to see Tony Cairoli go in there yep. to congratulate him and all his friends because uh, he has plenty of uh, friends coming from his village that are filming and taking pictures yeah. and they all were there and he was crying he wasn't believing with, with his uh, uh, his hands on, on the helmet uh, just thinking I can't believe I can't believe and then Lupino stops yeah. with his bike that Lupino did also a fantastic race yeah we had yes. three Italian riders in the top 10 what is not so common yeah that was cool and uh, and Lupino stops and he was just grabbing his helmet uh, you know grab, grab him from the helmet and say <laughs> so what you did I say I'm second I'm second oh you did it finally and they were you know happiness were there friendship were there was there and it was so nice this and then on the podium it was so intense and in the press conference uh, he said you know maybe you don't uh, uh, you don't be- uh, it's difficult to understand what uh, what i'm feeling at the moment but while this guy near to me that today uh, beat all the old records uh, uh, all time records uh, winning his uh, 102nd race when he, while he was winning his first race in uh, uh, mx2 uh, in 2010, I was eight years old, and I remember this victory. I was looking TV, and I remember I was eight years old, and I'm so grateful that today and honored to share the podium yeah. with this guy today, and maybe to be able one day to get uh, far further in my career. But today I'm there. He is winning. He's beating the record, and I'm there with him while I was eight years old when uh, Jeffrey was winning his first GP, and that was a really intense moment because the way he has to communicate is 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 really nice. Monday morning, he was a little bit less happy. I mean, he was completely done physically and mentally. Told me I even don't realize yet what what was happening, but he was really, really calm and he said, we will be back on the bike tomorrow and doing it late, I mean, quite and easy, but really happy and France again can be another good track for him, but now I don't see bad tracks for him okay, Deep Sand will probably not be his favorite but uh, many tracks can suit him a lot and uh, he's there too Alberto did also a fantastic yeah. race. It was seventh overall, if I'm not wrong, with a six yep. or a seven. Spot on. And he did a fantastic race. Uh, and Alessandro, Alessandro, top ten with the uh, with the beta, and uh, that was you know cool, just cool. Yeah. It's nice also because they always uh, joke with uh, with Ben Watson about <laughs> the fact that he's way older, and yeah. uh, Ben always say, "Ah, you will never beat me on track." And uh, Alessandro, <laughs> yeah, we will see, and then. And after this really difficult uh, GP he has in uh, in Portugal, while Portugal was looking, I don't know, like uh, uh, something, I, I don't know how do you say in English, in, in, in Italian I would say maledetto, but uh, uh, in English, I tell you, eh, because uh, I have to find out, uh, yeah. like the damned GP, because yeah. last year he suffered like this graveyard. Uh, <laughs> Yes, and he, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. And he had to to make the operation, and this operation made in Portugal.
Portugal ruined completely his entire season because they did something wrong or not complete. Uh, so he was then sick for the complete season. And again, now he was in Portugal, he was sick and he said, no, come on, it's not possible that Portugal is so bad for me. Mm. But uh, but this was his best race uh, since a long time, yeah. uh, back in the top 10. And that was uh, really, really cool for everyone in Beta, in his Marchetti team. And uh, so the three guys, I think, have different uh, uh, reasons to be really happy. But of course, Mattia was the happiest uh, probably on earth uh, just after the race. Yeah, it was pretty awesome to see those guys doing so well, and um, yeah, just Fernandez obviously um on the podium. How was he in the in the press conference and after the race? And also Koldenoff, we sort of got to give him a mention. He was really really fast catching up to those yeah. guys, like just super yeah. speedy, really good technically, uh, proficient rider, obviously as we all know. But um, yeah, he certainly he's got a lot of fight left in him by the look of it because he sort of goes under the radar a little bit with his with his sort of highly fancied teammates and um just all the heavy hitters yeah. that. Yeah, you sort of got to give a lot of respect to him for that ride. And obviously, it was sad Jeremy had good pace, but he was unwell with the with the stomach complaint, food poisoning, whatever. But he got the two hole shots, so he can be happy with that. And um, yeah, another another yeah. solid ride from Calvin as well. Um, seven yeah, eight, eight and on the hard pack at a, at a track that he said to me last week was his least favorite. Yeah. So um, yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. good stuff. For good stories inside that top ten as well, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I was um, honestly. I, I have to 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 start from uh, the one who not disappointed me because uh, it's just at the beginning. Uh, but Mitch Evans, I was expecting a little bit more from him. Yeah. Just after the Bali race in Portugal, I was really hoping for him uh, that he could do it uh, a little bit better than he did. But it will take just as a question yeah. of time, of course. But uh, looking at the top ten, yeah, Glenn was really fast uh, again on a track that. It's not really the kind of his favorite tracks, probably. Uh, for Calvin was his worst, <laughs> probably track of the season, and he was able to do so well. Uh, at the beginning, I didn't know what uh, what uh, Jeremy had, so I was just disappointed because I said, "Come on!" Uh, I was thinking that he was in a good shape, you know, and losing so much uh, from middle race to the end. It was I was disappointed, but then I knew that he was really sick with stomach problems, cramps, and and whatever. So I understood that uh, that there was something uh, something wrong there, and uh, this can justify this kind of uh, performance that uh, was when you start in front in MotoGP in MXGP today, and uh, you have a good fit, a good bike, you must finish in a at least top three, you know, it's, uh, but, uh, but then of course he was sick. So uh, it's a, again, something really unfortunate for him because this season is, is a kind of really uh, problem. Uh, mm. It's, uh, it's not able to, to, to come up uh, as uh, we know him uh, with the potential he has with the, with the, 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 the bike that looks uh, really good. But he will come. Uh, he's the man of the second half of the season. We know that uh, once he start to progress, then uh, it's really difficult to 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 stop him. Uh, he's still the one who has his record of uh, incredible record yeah. of, of GPs without any stops, and uh, that's amazing because you know when uh, when you really are uh, on this uh, this kind of mood, it, it gives it tells you a lot about the continuity that you can give. But over one hundred and seventy now, I think is that yeah, somewhere I in think there. So. Yeah, so it's it's crazy, you know. I not not any other rider can can say this on track, even Tony, even so. It's uh, it's amazing. 
my question uh, for you is where Jeffrey can arrive in numbers because yeah. while at the beginning of the season we were thinking and he was saying that it will take a little while before he would be able to win GPs now he won three out of six mm. so mm, <laughs> yes mm. Yeah, Jack, it's... do you think 120 is a realistic number before he finishes up between the 120 and the 130? It just really depends because at the moment, if yeah. he stays fit, it's hard to see him not winning at least, you know, 70% of the remaining GPs. But like we in motocross, anything can happen. But um, yeah, it's it's a long season and he knows that. But it's sort of pretty ominous how well he's going now. And, um, and the other guys are sort of having their own little battle behind them, you know, Guadagnini yeah. put himself in the mix. It's not just Fernandez, Prado, Colton, yeah. and Stewart that you need to worry about for the for the podium and Fever, obviously, and Renault's out of the picture now. So they're sure. they're taking points off each other, and Hurlings is maxing out, and we he just keeps building, even though he hasn't got the points lead yet. But it's around the corner. But um, yeah, heading into France, yeah. it'll be a really interesting round. That one, it'll sort of the series will start to take that little bit more shape, and um, yeah, it's only it's hard to see these two guys not battling it out, sort of. For supremacy at this point, but yeah, there's always some good stories and good, good, good stones in the mix. That's for sure. Um, do you think between before he finishes is is one thirty a, a gettable target for him or something like that? Yeah, one twenty five, one thirty. I think it will be it will be a reasonable uh, target. Uh, we have to see at the end of this from middle season when team is back. He will be back. He will take still. Um, yeah, quite a while. Huh? I understood this talking with the guys over there in Honda. It will take uh, quite a while still. Um, no return everything. date for him yet? Uh, uh, no, I don't think. So I think uh, that he still has to ride for the first time. Uh, physically, he's really, really good. He's working like hell. He's putting all the efforts. But I think that the bone is not yet perfect. And this, of course, is what he needs to, to fix before coming back riding. Once you come back riding, uh, you have uh, quite a while before you get on the top of your shape, uh, and then. But for the second half of the season, okay, we are almost on one third of the season is gone because six out of nineteen. Next one uh, will come uh, on the second third, entering the second third of the season. So it's uh, it's fast, it's quick. Yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah. like yesterday. We were uh, ready for Internazionale d'Italia. Now we already were thinking about entering the second third of the season. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I was hoping, honestly, that uh, Fevre can come uh, back on the victory soon, but I don't know now. Uh, team is not riding yet. Uh, maybe Jeremy will be the first one able to come back on the yeah. victory to start push because I think that was really like occasional this kind of problem. Uh, he was with the kind of shape he has, the kind of riding he has, Starting in front of the two motos, then it would be a problem for everyone. So if he fixes these, the starts that are today really important, then he can uh, since already friends. That is another kind of track that suits him a lot, like kind of ground, and there are some modifications on the track. I think he can uh, he can be a contender for this first place uh, on the podium, as of course Prado, as uh, not so many others. Eh, in fact, yeah. because. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to get the seven winners like we did last year. That's for sure. No, 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 no. That's uh, that's. I think it will be not possible. And it's honestly. just yeah. Obviously, someone like Bogus seeing him struggle. It's it's not nice to see because you know that he's a 
really accomplished rider. Obviously, last year was excellent. And him and Jonas yeah. and Bo, Jonas, yeah. Got, yeah, he's missed a lot. And it's just sad to see yes. those guys struggling. Obviously, the bikes um not where they want it to be and their performances sort of showing that because, you know, they should be around the top five, top eight every week. And yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, as I it? said to you in a few, few podcasts uh, ago, um, I don't think that this year we will see many outsider or underdogs winning uh, GPs because like what happened last year in Riola, in Lommel and places like that with fantastic performance and fantastic ride from uh, Bogers, from Vlander and this was great uh, they they deserved the victories 100% yeah. but today honestly with, with earnings like that uh, I don't know I don't think that in Lommel or in other places we or in Finland we can see yeah, uh, outsider win a GP to yeah. be a little bit more difficult than last year, but uh, I hope that the championship still remains really open. You know, I would like to, uh, but honestly, I also have to say I'm not a rider, uh, and I never was a rider. So, um, but I will if I was in Jeffrey or in the ones who manage Jeffrey. I would say, okay, now we are in good shape. We have to maintain this momentum and to just, you know, the championship is long. And I will just stop those uh, races uh, out yeah. of the GPs. But because for him, it's really necessary. So probably mentally really needs. Yeah. From outside, it's difficult to understand how it's so important when you are in that kind of shape, if yeah. you are riding that kind of way if you are winning in such a dominant way you know because it wasn't a victory with a, a second and a third it was a victory uh, like in portugal with a fantastic ride while you you you, you really are able to say okay now i win now i want to win stop sorry guys i go on a win uh, when you're in this kind of shape i don't understand how it's so helpful to make a race alongside with the British riders of the British Championship, with the French rider of the French Championship. I don't have nothing against those guys, and they are all fantastic riders riding 1,000 times better than me. But you, Jeffrey Erlings, uh, uh, I understand if you do your national championship because there, there is Koldenhoff, maybe there, there are uh, Seaver and other riders like normally the Dutch. Valandrin, these kind of guys. Yes, and these can give you a little bit, you know, the level of, but going in France and doing just two motos winning two motos uh, he said that he needs this to come back on the top and he needs this to keep the momentum my personal opinion again i'm not a rider and i'm not his team manager unfortunately otherwise i would have won nine titles in my career <laughs> but part of this, i would say better stop a little bit rest a little bit the season is so long we have still 13 gps and one nation to come and yeah. he even said something that is really interesting in the press conference i don't know if someone wrote this but he said i'm looking for racing in america this yeah. year and don't have uh, yet made a deal to do it but i would like to do it okay let's do let's go you know it's come on yeah, it's a little bit too much. I don't know. Okay, you missed one entire season, one year without riding. <laughs> but I don't think that statistically, if you make double of the races, so instead of 19, you do 40, you recover one season that you missed, you know. But I don't know. It's up to him, of course. He's, he's yeah. a 
five-time world champion. He's the one who wants more than anybody else. But that's uh, just my opinion, as I said. I have to add a little thing, a little story yeah. on uh, this 102 victories because it w- it's always funny to see uh, um, under the, the scene, you know, uh, on the other side uh, of what happened on the main uh, screen. Uh, Jeffrey won 102 two races and he was able to win his first races race in 2010 so these are now 13 years of incre- an incredible career he probably deserved eight title and not five at least eight but uh but this is this is racing this is motocross but there is only one person uh, in this uh, story who was with him at every victory and this is curious because uh, team managers were changing, uh, sport directors, they were changing mechanics, they were changing training mechanics, they were changing. Everyone was different through the years. Some they did like maybe 10 years, some they did, but nobody was there for 102 victories. Instead of one person, it was Valentina Ragni, that's the team coordinator of KTM, uh, the mother of all the riders, because she considered herself the mother of all the riders. She had a really true love for for their kids uh but uh, she was there since the first victory till the last and uh, jeffrey said uh, when we were under the awning making the picture vale take the trophy with you because uh, you were the only one with me and you were the, you are the only one who won 102 races with me and uh, this was really nice uh, I think she's the only one that can talk with uh, with Jeffrey at every moment when he's happy, when he's hungry, when he's pissed yeah. off, when he's uh, whatever bored. She's the only that is able to let him to, to tell him what to do because uh, nobody else uh, can do it. <laughs> so at the end, uh, she deserves this kind of uh, coffee as uh, uh, Jeffrey. That's yeah. She's he's definitely a complex character, mate. And um, yeah. That's yeah. a, that's an amazing story, and yeah, she's obviously does great work for all those riders, and sort of yeah, like a mother figure. Is they're all a lot of them are so young, and they need that guidance and direction and support, and um, yeah, it's obviously the yeah. the, the fruits of her labor, I guess, has uh, paid off with all the stars and all the all the titles. She's sort of helped play a, a lot. You know, you know she started big role in doing it, and just a quick one on the yeah. early thing. It's we obviously it seems unnecessary, and the financial incentives, whatever they may be, surely that's not. The biggest driving factor in doing that because it's you know he probably doesn't need it that much but yeah it's a it's a strange one isn't it i'll let you keep going with that yeah thought. yes and uh, um valentina started in uh 2003 with uh, ktm at the time she was working for uh of course the factory team but they had all the other two structures that were like satellite but still factory with kiss van de van and uh with another one and um we were trying to sort out how many titles she won as a team coordinator we weren't able we weren't able to to just figure out the number so i hope that i come back after friends and <laughs> that i will be able to tell you how many titles but if we just uh, try to uh consider that uh, she won title with smets with a uh, 650 bike, probably in a mix three or something like that. I don't remember <laughs> the time, or maybe it was the 500. But from Smets uh, in 2003, then uh, Ben Tonley, uh, Ken Roxen, Marvin Muscan, uh, Paul Jonas, yeah. uh, uh, Tony Geroli. Uh, I mean, there are an incredible number of titles. Uh, sometimes we forget 
Jordi Tixier, uh, yeah. of course, Jeffrey Ellings, of course, Prada, Bial, Jorge yeah. Prado. I mean, wow, that's just, you know, really wow. And, uh, and this is curious because sometimes we consider some of the figures in uh, in in the team in the in the racing uh, like secondary you know not like uh, main uh, figures of the but she is really the, one of the key of uh, of the team and uh, people like uh, Pete Bader that is really know how to do the work uh, knows perfectly exactly uh, what kind of uh, value she can add to to the team and he will never 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 uh accept that she leaves so yeah. it was i was many time with her while uh, she received proposal from other teams mostly italian saying but why you don't come to italy with us blah 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 she never 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 even considered to to come out from uh, from austria because uh, she's now part of uh, the history of ktm for sure yeah, the knowledge and yeah, the the relationships she has, they're priceless, and you can't build them up uh, overnight. So yeah, it's, it's incredible uh, effort, that's for sure, mate. And just wanted to yeah. touch on a couple of the other riders. Um, obviously yes. Geo, I think that's four top tens in a row. Um, he's fighting hard for those results. Great on hard pack. Obviously, the team. He said the team's maybe got a fifth of the budget of a factory team, and he's beaten a lot of hard, uh, beaten a lot of those guys, and loving the hard pack and. He just wanted to be consistent. He spoke to James afterwards. Um, yeah, just get those top tens and around the top eight. And obviously, you know him well, and he's been close to quitting in the past and had a lot of tough times. And so, yeah, a lot of credit for sticking at it and kept pushing. And yeah, I think he's on a one-year deal, so um, he's got. He's sort of not locked in for next year. Obviously, he's happy with the team, but um, you never know with a lot of rides coming up. He uh, could be a bit of a smoky for a factory ride and. It's just good to see him in there again and same with Patrell doing well, ninth in the second moto. Um, yeah, pretty impressive. And yeah, James also spoke to Spees. He had a huge crash um in the second, but got up and kept going. Um, he's got quite a long list of injuries, but uh concussions and and ligaments and this kind of stuff. But yeah, it's um only nineteen and he's getting lots of experience racing ADAX MXGPs. And he asked James to tell him uh, the height, and he's yeah, 90 kilos. And 192 centimeters, so he's an absolute monster. Um, and he's you can see, uh, he looks really good when he does those whips, doesn't he? He's, got, he's we put a cool yes. video up, Jeremy and James, and yeah, just a good learning curve for him to gain the experience. And obviously, um, wants to be an established rider, and he's he's going about it the right way. And though, good to see those two guys doing well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, I mean, I've, I have to say that I'm really surprised uh, about Gio, uh, because Valentin is uh, is doing a fantastic season. It was long, long time since he was considered uh, one of the best, youngest talent, talents uh, coming up uh, from MX2. Uh, he had a moment uh, while he was really uh, doing pretty well. His history uh, sometimes reminds me a little bit of uh, Tonu's history uh, in, the, in the way he was uh, really talented and coming up with this kind of superb style on the bike is uh, a super cross lover and he's really able to ride so clean but i don't know uh someone uh, said that he was a little bit lazy on workings someone said that he was just unlucky some injuries some uh, not perfect bike there was always something the team is now uh, i have to say is a really good team uh, they don't have a big budget but they are really working hard and working well uh, the um, 
I know the guy who's running the team. Uh, it's a French team, uh, and uh, this guy is uh, is doing. He was a stuntman for in uh, Disney World Paris. So uh, the history also is quite strange, you know, because oh, yeah. he was doing stuntman with a bike. He was a is a former motocross rider in the French Championship. He loves racing. He was uh, building a team to make Le Touquet and all those beach races. And then uh, one day he decided to make the big jump and to come up to uh, MXGP, uh, the history he did with uh, um, uh, with some good riders there at the time with uh, Jeremy Van Orebeck. Uh, it was the first time they tried really to, to do something different. And now uh, this year I was speaking with uh, Valentin while he was with his trainer, that is Yves De Maria, still uh, yeah. one of the best trainers out there and one of the best former uh, rider and world champion uh, that we have uh, every Sunday on the track uh, as, a, as a trainer uh, or coach. Uh, he, I was just talking with him and said, congratulations, because you are riding pretty well. Switzerland was fantastic. Uh, Arco di Trento was a really good ride. Uh, and again, uh, it was really good also in Spain with this top 10 overall that uh, has not come on uh, to do top 10 in uh, MXGP, even with two, three riders out for injuries, like both mm. Jonas, Roman Fevre, and uh, Maxim Renault, but still being in the top 10, it means a lot. Mm. Uh, then, uh, of course, I don't know uh, if we can from here making uh, big, huge progress uh, for uh, the, the next races because he's already on a very good level. I have to see, I have to say that probably in France he can do it well again because yeah. it's a kind of track that suits him pretty well. Uh, for Atto, as I told already, was uh, was really good and really really happy uh, to to be in this top ten. It was a little bit bittersweet for for him, but this fight we saw at the end of uh, the moto with uh, with Jeremy was yeah. uh, was cool because they're really good friends. Well, while uh, Jeremy, I think, was still riding, uh, uh, there was a group of riders, uh, really friend, uh, really close to each other, uh, and. Absolutely curious uh, in the way it was uh, was done because uh, you had uh, the Lawrence brothers, while Jet was uh, a kid, an infant, yeah. <laughs> was riding the eighty five. Uh, Hunter was uh, was riding the two fifty, and then uh, Arbinas Jasikonis was the giant uh, riding the four fifty. Yeah. Jeremy, I'm not able to remember if he was still in MX two or already in MX one, but uh, MXGP. I mean, but he was around there and Alberto Forato that I never understood what what he has to mix with those guys but he was completely mixed and very well with those guys and they had so much fun uh, being together working together training together riding together it was fantastic and so they, they kept a really good friendship since uh, since that time and it's funny and uh Sometimes when you look back, uh, I, I was scrolling some of the old pictures uh, to find some uh, Spanish pictures, and I went uh, uh, on some Hunter Lawrence picture while he was riding for Livy Lancelo 114 motorsport yeah. team, and he did the podium uh, at the first race in uh, in Argentina. And, and you look at this, and you think, wow. And then I saw some pictures of him riding, I think, with the Suzuki. Uh, and so... so this this kind of stuff are really uh, curious, uh, and I saw the twenty six uh, behind the gate uh, from uh, from in front of uh, the, the the fourth or the fifth is uh, the fourth I think uh, I don't know of the fifth, yes. but uh, that come out uh, while we were in Spain, 
and there is Liam Everts uh, in the arms of his father on the top of the podium uh, while he was looking at this red plate in his hands. Uh, what is this? And you see him riding together. Uh, I mean, riding in the factory team today, and uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, the time flies, and uh, uh, when yeah. you have the chance to to, to be in this um, ambient for a long time, it's always really nice to see then how uh, things are progressing. Uh, last week, uh, uh, Jet uh, was um, Hunter was crowned champion, and yeah. Jet was dead. Weekend was Jet who was crowned champion, and Hunter was there. And those kids were. Just in the paddock uh, till a few years ago, and Jet was running around with whatever he has bicycle, uh, scooter, uh, doesn't yeah. matter, and getting his father mad because he was really <laughs> a kind of a uh, little uh, Tasmanian. The, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, no, you know, <laughs> so uh, it's uh, but, but it's cool, it's cool, it's a, it's a big family, and uh, it's nice when you see. Uh, someone uh, succeed at such a high level so yeah yeah especially you know, you've got the unique inside of sort of yeah growing up with a lot of guys that have made the transition from um yeah europe to america and um seeing them succeed it's pretty cool and then you look back and sort of get those memories it's 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 nice to see mate because there's a lot of cool stories in the sport and there's a lot of um sort of unlikely heroes and and unsung heroes i guess and that was one of the reasons obviously james with the post-race podcast this week he focused yeah. on um, pretty much, uh, yeah. yeah, not really big names. I think the only factory guy he spoke to was Elzinger, and obviously speaks about you know, like, the actual podcast. And um, it's pretty. I'm cool. not considering myself as uh, one of the guys with most experience because I'm there since okay, twenty seasons. I did ten in the team and ten as a journalist. But um, there's one of my biggest friends that is Pascal Odiger, that is uh, a French journalist uh, who is really with the one with a lot of experience as he did his first GP as a media because not as a spectator as a media yeah. in 78 so uh he did this year in Erne it will be his 40th nation while oh. working for the for a French federation and uh in this GP he was uh, at his 598 GP Wow. So this is a kind of, uh, you know, uh, but now then you can say that you have a lot of experience. And today he posted a picture while he just bought the new camera, Canon Air R3, or not, yeah, I think the Canon R3, uh, the new one. And, uh, and I was thinking, okay, he, he wants to go on for at least yeah. a couple of seasons more. And that's, this is amazing because... 78, he was there. His first GP as a media was the first GP of Michele Rinaldi. Wow. You know, and just to give you an idea, of, it was uh, it was then he was uh, the the media responsible for uh, Action Group, who was the organizer of the GPs with Giuseppe Luongo, boss before uh, in um, Ustream born in 2004. So he, they were organizing Supercross all over the world, in Australia, in Tokyo, in Paris, really, whatever. And and he was always there at every GP. He never jumped one GP. So it's amazing. And in the meantime, he's the man, for example, that was uh, uh, thinking and saying then uh, to Stefan Everts, why you don't 
compete in three categories in the same day in Arnais. Because if you do and you win, you will then reach 72 victories. That is your number, 72. Yeah. And it was 2002 or 2003 at the time, they had only one moto. And Stefan was saying, no, 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 I can't because they will not allow me. And Pascal was easy. He said, who will not allow you? Oh, <laughs> FIM will not allow me. And he said, but you do already sometimes two motos with two different categories. We try. And he was asking. And he said, Stefan, they said, yes, no problem. Uh, yeah, but uh, the organizer, uh, will Dorna was at that time, the MotoGP yeah. organizer, will, will not uh, allow me to do it. And it was to Dorna saying, can we try to do this? And they say, yeah, for, of, of course. So, Stefan, yes, you can do it. No, but Michele and Yamaha, they will never uh, accept that I do three categories in the same day. So he was speaking with Michele and Yamaha, and they said, yeah, why not? And this kind of uh, incredible, unique, in the history of motocross, they happened in Arnais, and he was able to win three categories, 125, 250, and 500 in the same day reaching 72 victories just talking about the numbers wow that's crazy. such a cool story eh? he's sort of egging him on almost just Come on, <laughs> mate, give it a go it's like he didn't want to do it but he sort of made him t- twisted his arm in the end eh? <laughs> yeah no i think i will uh i will give up uh way way earlier like uh like jeffrey says always when he talks with tony and say i will never be able to ride at 38 years old 37 and while training and doing hard and uh, because i'm done and he said it in the press conference i will do for a couple of more years and then i'm done i will just uh retire and uh the, the work is really a lot and the pressure is really a lot and uh he's riding since he was really young he was under pressure yeah. earlier than tony uh but he's also the way he approached the races that is really different uh, the yeah. way he really wanted always to win uh the gp uh tony was always capitalizing the best result uh of the day even if it was fourth or fifth doesn't really matter he was looking always at the biggest picture while to me, this is the biggest difference with uh, with Jeffrey, who is always looking, it has always looked at the closer picture, the victory of the day, the number. For him, the dream was to beat Stefan one day, not in titles, but in victories. And every time he's always precise, say, okay, I'm, I win already the most of the moto, most of the motos than anyone else, but uh, that's really important. And now I'm also the one who won more GP. So just to give him a little provocation, Tony won more than him with the 450 class yeah. and he probably will never beat him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, joking. There's been a lot but of uh, debates about the, the legitimacy. Yes, I mean, there is always someone that uh, do something better than you or will do one day better than you. Uh, but this way to look always to this kind of record, I remember while I was working closer to Tony, and uh, still, but at that time I was really close, he will, was never, never, never uh, remind how many victories, how many motos. He, he forget completely everything. <laughs> while we were writing together his, his biography, his book with Stefano, it was a disaster because, uh, do you remember that day we were in Belpuige? And, no, I don't remember. Oh, come on, <laughs> you were last and you go come up to third. Uh, you remember? No, I don't remember. I don't, he never, <laughs> never. He forgot, he forgot completely everything. As for him, this kind of uh, uh, records and numbers, it, it's just because I'm doing this job, but I'm not doing for this. And uh, this is 
probably the secret he was doing because he was loving that soul. He was loving riding. He had a lot of fun. Then he was a competitor. Of course, he wanted always to be the best. But he was looking also because of Claudio De Carli was able to teach to teach him. He was always looking to the biggest picture. And the De Carli team next year will be 30 years old, 94-2024. That would be a great something great to celebrate. Yeah, they won. Awesome. Yeah, they won with Kiko Chiodi. They won with Tony Cairoli. They won uh, uh, with Jorge Prado. Yeah. So, and who knows, maybe in future with other riders. So, it's uh, it's always nice to see, you know, uh, a team that uh, that that was so much involved since the beginning in the races, and now is thirty years old. Yeah, it's cool to see they sort of keep it in the family. The, the sons are obviously yes, yeah, yeah and they a great and, job. Yeah. Yeah, tell they love it. They still love the sport. They still love doing what they're doing, and uh, it's it's kind of refreshing, I guess, because obviously they've been around it for so long. It'd be easy to say I've kind of had enough of this and be done. And also, you mentioned Caroli, but also Lupino. He's he's getting on, and um, hope to have a chat to him this week. Actually, um, but yeah, he's oh uh, cool. Yeah, you're welcome to join if you like. Uh, he's he's obviously um (laughs) got full of stories. He's a happy guy, and um, yeah, he's still grinding. And he he spoke to James a couple of weeks ago and said, uh. Yeah. Sometimes I think I don't know why I'm still doing it, but he he obviously still <laughs> has the love and the passion, and it's pretty cool he's taken on that beta project as well, and I'm sure they're they're grateful for all he's doing. Yeah, I will I will I will uh, I will be grateful to to come uh, uh, to the day, and uh, we will ask him uh, if he's considering the opportunity to do one more baby. As yeah. he has two girls, two girls, and, and it would be funny to have a third one. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and another guy um quickly before we uh sort of close the close the podcast but uh, Ostland um pretty cool he had some good he had good speed he was doing well 13th in both and uh, obviously had the broken pipe and got penalized for the noise in the first one and then the second one yes higher went in 13th but um so top riding but bad luck and um yeah he said yeah, he, considering said that, that, he was uh, sick in the, sick heading into the weekend yeah so on a track yeah, he didn't like and it was pretty good effort he's coming along yeah, I was absolutely surprised as they come to me. Uh, one of the guy who takes pictures for him, he comes to me in the press room on Saturday saying, Lorenzo, do you know if uh, we don't do the free practice, what happened? And I said, yeah, of course I know, but uh, why? That's because Kevin, because Alvin is uh, really not good at all. And uh, I said, look, uh, he, he, in a condition like today, he can also jump the qualifying race. He will be qualified for tomorrow because uh, uh, there is no, no no problems on this. Lupino did it in uh, Agda last week, so it's uh, it's quite easy uh, because he was really sick, and and then he was able to do a fantastic race. A shame that uh, he did this by this pipe uh, broken in uh, in uh, Moto One was so loud. <laughs> I have to say when he was passing nearby us, it was so loud. And then I was I was I mean. When he's like that, okay, I understand the rider needs to go through, but uh, they stopped him, of course, at the end of the race, and he was, I don't know if disqualified or penalized uh, because of this, uh, but I it was a shame. Five, five positions or something? Um, something. Yes, so yeah. at the end, you do your race, and maybe you're still able to score some point, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, Alvin is getting through some difficult moments, uh, so I'm happy that he's, uh, he's coming back a little bit and uh, that can be one of the guy uh, fighting for the top 50 maybe often and uh, this would be would be good for him and for the team. You know, for the small teams, it's really tough. The season is long, it's really expensive and uh, you yeah. need some good results uh, sometime. 
and it gives good morale to everyone in the team, uh, to mechanics, to to everyone. So it's really, really important. And, and just a quick word on Ivanov, obviously 14th in the second moto, very impressive effort for, uh, yeah, very small effort he's putting in. The, like, you know, the team-wise, obviously big effort <laughs> riding and physically and mentally to be doing that. But um, yes. a bit of credit for him too, I think, because uh, I don't think, haven't heard, have heard too much coverage of that. Yeah, I'm I'm doing some picture for for them because a friend of mine is from Bulgaria and yes, I think he's helping him a little bit. So he asked me always on Sunday evening some pictures and uh, I'm happy to to, to give him uh, something. Uh, the kid is really young; it's his first year in uh, four fifty. Uh, he has no sponsor at all, almost. Uh, yeah, the jersey's got nothing uh, really. Yes, uh, it's also if you see on his jersey the number and the name is like look like printed in. Uh, in a sports shop, you know, yeah, where you yeah. go to do, <laughs> and it's amazing to see that there is still the chance to do something like that today in the world championship. And and he's doing. I I as I told you, I do some pictures. So sometimes I look at him, and uh, I was surprised to see him there because normally he's always a little bit out, out of the twenty. And uh, but he's uh, a really young kid, and uh, I don't know a lot about him, but I know that he's like everyone putting a lot of effort in and his tent was almost in front of the gas gas factory uh in the paddock so the busiest because with prado they <laughs> they had to put like fences and private security and the fans were there screaming and they were in front with the van and a little awning you know and uh, just one bike uh it's it's amazing it's amazing so this is uh sometime a nice story that uh that can come out and uh, ending the gp in the 17th overall in, in mxgp is is always i think a, a great result it was probably the second as the second happiest in the paddock after guadagnini yeah it's good to see those guys obviously you told us about our pantsar story last week and yeah, James talked yeah. to him afterwards and just, yeah, the dedication and the hard work that they put in. And he's uh, finishing a mechanical engineering uh, course, a degree at university, and obviously finishing that, I think, this year. And then, obviously, he's a bigger man, so MXGP um, would be on the cards for him in the in the pretty close future, I believe. So, yeah, it's good for Slovenia to have another another great rider coming through. Um, he said he hasn't ridden a 450, just a 350 of his dad so far, so... They're doing it, yeah. doing it the hard way, those guys, and it's good to see them having success. And just um, one more on Elzinger, who um, James got, had a pretty good open interview with him. He um, said he's really quite struggling quite a lot with anxiety and, and mentally uh, the challenges of uh, MX2, after, especially after he got that fifth overall in Argentina. Um, he's just trying to sort things out because he's another guy that was pretty close to walking away from the, the sport a couple of years ago and just focusing yeah. on studying. So, yeah, not many people like that team is got a different dynamic there's a lot like there's a sort of a team within a team for all the three guys and yeah you know you said he's enjoying doing the training with kenny and he has different guys to train with whoever's joining him on a particular day but yeah just the mental side of it's um proven a real challenge for him mate and i suppose it's pretty brave and and um valiant of him to to speak out about it because a lot of guys um suffer in silence and he knows he wants the help and needs the help so he's happy to speak to his team about the issues he's having so that's a pretty cool one yeah. too yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those stories are, you know, uh, in fact, uh, we consider always, almost always only the top of the class, the factory teams, the top rider, the world champions. But uh, if we take away 
all those privateers, all those small teams. In fact, we we are taking away the core of our sport because our sport uh, uh, is made by all the people that uh, are really uh, giving and putting a lot of themselves uh, in the effort for the sport and uh, to fill up the grid. Uh, otherwise, we will have like 15 riders, 14 riders, 16 riders at every GP. And, uh, and we complain always about the fact that there are not enough riders. So we have yeah, really to cheer for those guys and to hope that uh, they can uh, find out uh, some good sponsors, some good stuff, yeah. just to be there, to keep they doing their job. Maybe they will never succeed in terms of world champion. But uh, I, I always also was talking uh, with someone, I don't remember who, about this. The fact that uh, we cannot consider... Uh, a success only the victory only the the title as if you take riders uh, that uh, had a fantastic career like uh, Glenn Coldenoff is one of those or uh, yeah other uh, maybe Jeremy Van Orebeck uh, yeah. or riders that they never won a title uh, they won maybe only one GP in the main class uh, I mean I'm talking about uh, of course Jeremy Van Orebeck but the value that uh, they add to the to the sport uh, was really high, really really big, and and uh, like Glenn, uh, he will never won a title in his career. But this cannot be the measure to to uh, be to say if his career was successful or not. It's undoubted that his career was successful. Uh, he got very good rides. He got fact right he got good contracts he made his life out of what he loves so sport and motocross and i think this is the key of the success you can say that you succeed while uh, you were able to do what you love to do as a job and to gain your life uh, with this or to have tried your best and you give everything then uh, you you can say you can walk away saying i'm happy yeah, it definitely rings true of guys like Jassikonis who's been through so much and even Lapino, yes. which was like a really cool story, him getting that that no nations win and um yeah, there's, there's yes. Monticelli even, you know, someone yeah. that's done so much and achieved a lot, you know, maybe hasn't got the, the glitz and the glamour and the silverware to to go with it. But um yeah, to do anything in this sport and to be in it for, you know, that, that amount of time and to come back from all the adversity they face, you know, it's a lot a lot of credit must go their way and just a quick few words yeah. on MX2. There's sort of, um, yeah, it was just pretty much the Simon Langenfelder show. But yeah, Yago just banked some more points, uh, just rode smart. Yes. He had to do, he didn't have the speed. And Adamo, another podium, uh, continues to impress, doesn't he? And Kaida Wolf would be disappointed with that. He obviously <laughs> had that moment where he almost hit the grandstands, which was a topic we sort of talked about off, off air. And how they were quite close to some of those sections and could have been disastrous yeah. another day. And you see, sometimes they park those, uh, the, the, the big Dodge or, or those little, uh, you know, these all-terrain vehicles. And there's been a few cases where they're not too far off <laughs> hitting those. It looks, I know they got to have it for the TV and the sponsors, but it looks a bit sketchy sometimes, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, uh, it's true. And, uh, and they should to, to consider a little bit uh, more uh, the safety of, uh, of uh, for the riders and for, for the show, because then every time we lose one rider, it's a uh, it's it's a really a, a pity for for everyone. Uh, for what concern? Uh, okay, Yago. Of course, uh, we we talked already about Simon. Yago was doing uh, his job perfectly. I mean, he's on the way to this finally first uh, title. If nothing happened, and when in motocross everything can happen, but uh, he was really quiet and secure and 
I don't think he he, he was just uh, of course uh, pushing as uh, he want to win like everyone else. Uh, but uh, I think this victory of Simon was putting him in trouble anyway. Uh, on the other side, Andrea is impressive because he still was charging till the last corner of the last moto. He never gave up. And I saw him spending so much time also with Joel's Mats, uh, talking, talking. At the end of the second moto, he, I think he took a little shower or something. And then he went on track with Cairoli, was walking the track with Cairoli alongside while MXGP was on. Just to look at line trade, yeah. uh, some uh, place where to go or not, uh, and and this also tells you a lot about how much a rider want to succeed, want to uh, improve. And Andrea is still improving; he still has room to improve. Uh, this victory in Arco di Trento for him was just uh, a start. It's not uh, something that uh, he considered himself done like. I'm on a good level. I doesn't matter. I don't. I don't need to do more. He's always looking for more, and and I, I hope for him we will see more. Uh, uh, Kai was of course a little bit disappointed. Uh, I wanted to point more the finger a little bit on little um, mini coin and uh, Sasha yeah. was pretty well. Uh, he was fighting uh, uh, while his brother also was uh, uh, was doing a, a good race. Uh, it was uh, probably. Um, more difficult day for Ron, Ron Van de Mostijk uh, uh, compared to, to Portugal. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's not the kind of track that he loves uh, more uh, than, than others. So uh, that was, of course, uh, something possible. Uh, but still, when you are third on three, uh, probably you're not, you don't walk away so happy on Sunday evening yeah. uh, from the team owning because those guys are all uh, really competitive and they they want uh, more more and more uh lucas uh, was doing a pretty good race mm. as i told you will see him good on the qualifying podium. race too fantastic yeah. qualifying race was really good and we will see him on the podium uh, before the end of the season uh i have a little advice for uh in front uh, uh if we really want to point uh, the spotlight uh, on the qualifying race uh, to create interest and to maybe we will uh, uh, try to make the show a little bit bigger with this. So maybe a podium for the qualifying race can be considered with a little ceremony with something, you know, just to like they do in uh, in other sports, uh, maybe something that is a little bit more loud and that give also this kind of uh, uh, image to to this race, you know, because otherwise, yeah, they gain points, but uh, it's just on uh, on points. Yeah, absolutely. That's... And and how how was um how was Kevin Hogmo's charge, mate? In those motos, he was flying uh, through the pack in both of them. Uh, on another day, gonna yeah. have a podium if he got the if things started off well, but um. Impressive ride, won't be happy with the result per se, but you can't really knock the riding. And you can see Sasha's uh, Conan still building back, uh, faded quite quite badly in the, yeah. in the second one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Oliver must sort of give him a bit of praise for 11 and 12, for, for 11th overall. Yeah, this was surprising. This was surprising. It's home GP, so I guess it was a little bit pumped up uh, uh, for this, uh, the kind of soil that uh, fits uh, quite well to him. So that was uh, really, I have 
to say a, a good one because uh, uh, Oriol Oliver is not the kind of rider that stays in the top 10 so often. Jan Pankar, uh, after the, the practice, I uh, was hoping for him to uh, that he could do he could do better like in Portugal because he's able to do it now. He can be can be there in front uh, quite often. He was in the top three in Portugal twice in, uh, in practice and free practice and qualifying. So it's it's a kind of guy that can be there. Uh, Kevin to me it's a kind of uh, uh, it's a bit strange because like Braceras also I was expecting a lot more in our mm. GP. Uh, those bikes sounds that like they are really performing well. Uh, Kevin, uh, to me, it was a very good rider in a EMX 250. Uh, when he was while he was younger in other categories, he was really good. I was expecting a little bit more. There is something that is not going together, you know. Uh, if it's not, if it's the start is good, uh, the the pay the, the 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 pace is not good. If the pace is good, the start is not good. He needs to recover. Some time in some race is really good on. Uh, 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 charging and coming back and some other is uh, I think it's a quite a difficult moment uh, for Mark De Rover at the moment as yeah. trainer he was uh, also himself uh, expecting much more from his uh, riders uh, Kevin is, is you consider that Kevin is just eight in the standings mm. uh, uh, and, and he's just in front of Lucas Cohen and uh, who's entered the, the championship for the first time yeah, in Argentina. Yeah. Absolutely. Really, really yeah. Yes. And look at Braceras that is a good, it's considered a good rider. Uh, he scored just one point in the qualifying race in out of six qualifying races. Mm. It's not enough. He's 14 in the, in the championship and with 72 points, it means almost 250 less than the um the the, the red plate to me is mm. too much honestly i cannot consider this a good season so far i hope that kevin uh, can come out a little bit better also because this team is putting a lot of efforts huh? they have a fantastic trucks they have a very good trainer like mark uh, who is putting all his the energy and the effort into try to train those uh, those kids the bike as i told you is really good one it looks at uh, from outside and so it looks like there's everything to succeed i mean to stay there to be top five often not only once uh, every three four gps for sure the level is high for sure the pack is really but they 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 need to to move their ass a little bit now yeah, I think yeah, time. I definitely they'll they'll feel that too, I'm sure. And just uh for the last one before we finish up, just a quick AMX two fifty chat. Um good to see Casvol yeah. getting it done. Um obviously a, a guy on a really good trajectory, very talented, um bright future. And then Bonacorsi second, obviously, yeah, he he showed really he had the speed, no doubt. And um Kai Cars making another podium was good, and yeah, Rossi, great speed. Uh just had that little mistake it cost him, and then yeah, Resilus, Zanke, Grau, they all showed some good some good signs and uh, that class is pretty strong isn't it and yes good to, see, the, good to see the young aussie owens in there too uh did well in the the first motor yeah so, so there's a lot of um, absolutely this class is really really good i have a good level of course uh i will start from from the last so from the rider who didn't start uh the quali uh, the, uh, the first motor and the second motor was valerio lata as you know that uh, yes I, very well uh, it's, uh, it's a big shame because it was one of the riders that who can compete for the podium till the end of the season this uh, little mistake in the free practice in Portugal uh, 
uh, was uh, worse than uh, we were considering as uh, he was able to ride in Portugal a little bit and to save at least his day with two, 10 places. But uh, in, in in Spain, he wasn't really able to ride. He tried, uh, but in doing the uh, qualifying practice, uh, he just was eating again the ground with the foot and his knee was really painful. And we decided, I mean, they decided the team to to give up for this race. He will not compete this weekend in Fermo in the Italian Championship and try to recover for the next uh, race at the European Championship that I think is in three or four weeks. don't remember, but it's uh, soon. Uh, talking about the rest of the pack, uh, uh, of course, Kasvalk did a fantastic race. He took back the victory to uh, to the team. A victory was missing uh, since nine months. I think the last one was him winning with a one to five. So nine months without victories for a team who was dominating the European 250 with uh, Lapucci in 2020 and uh, the 125 with Osterhagen uh, and with all those young kids and uh, last year winning the title. Uh, they were missing the victory a lot. It was a fantastic weekend for Fantic as uh, yeah. they won EMX250 and they went second in the uh, WMX with uh, the sister of uh, Cass, Lynn Valk, mm. so a successful family for uh, the Spanish uh, round. Uh, it was a great victory, uh, somehow uh, unexpected to me, honestly, because uh, the quickest on track, as in uh, Portugal, was Marc Antoine Rossi, mm. who is, uh, at the moment for me, the guy who is growing more. Yeah. But he's doing a lot of mistakes. Uh, so yeah. it is fantastic. He has the victory. He's pushing, of the first he? He pushes so hard. Yes, too much. <laughs> uh, he has a good guy uh, nearby him because uh, uh, René, uh, Pella René is a really good guy, really calm. This team has uh, a really good, uh, is managed very well. So I'm pretty sure that the kid is growing well, as you say. Also, Zanki is uh, going on the podium twice already this year. This race was a little bit less good for him. But we have also to consider that Ferruccio was... Uh, uh, ready to do another one year in one to five, one to five, and then they decided because it was opportunity to ride the two fifty to go to the two fifty. Um, of course, with the agreement uh, with uh, his uh, trainer, uh, that is uh, Jackie Vimon, that uh, knows very well uh, Ferruccio, but but is his first year with a two st four stroke, uh, the first year with the two fifty, so he's doing pretty pretty well. Mm. Andrea was gaining. At the end, uh, he gained points uh, in the standings, and this is the most important. Uh, he cannot win every race, but he had the potential to win also there. Uh, second moto was a bit of a disaster at the beginning. Then he had a small crash. He said it was just his fault while he lost his front wheel and uh, in the corner entering the pit lane uh, because it was really wet, and I did this small mistake, and it took a while to restart the bike and to come back. Was a little bit of shame because uh, he could uh, have been done better, but still was able to take uh, uh, good points uh, back home. Carson uh, Makers uh, to me is uh, not the outsider, but it's the guy who should win uh, almost every race because he come from one season in MX2, and uh, uh, even if it was a tough season, uh, he was able to show that he, he got the speed, but still is missing something. I don't know. And his teammate Maxime Gros is growing, uh, as yeah. the name said, uh, he's growing yeah, very well. Epstein Bar last year, didn't he? And he came back around Germany and was really good, wasn't he? Yes, 
Yes, and uh, and he's another kid with a good talent, a really nice person. Uh, so at the moment, I, the picture for me is still the same with Andrea as the favorite for the title. Uh, don't know if Cass can uh, compete already this year for the title at the end. Uh, I see, honestly, uh, more dangerous for Andrea, Marc-Antoine Rossi, and Kai Karsamakers are uh, the two that uh, can contend in the title. I hope for Andrea that he can still ride like that. I was speaking with him and he said, I'm happy because now the next races uh, I really love. So I have four races in a row that I really love. And finally, we will be back on sand because for him, it's uh, the favorite soil is sand and uh, he's, he can't wait to, to ride again in the sand. And this is, uh, you know, uh, when you have this kind of, uh, uh, you think about this, next race will be Latvia and his sand. He loves Stoichenthal, that is the next one. And the next one again is Finland, deep sand. And he's just looking for this. And it's amazing because when you are competing against Dutch riders or Belgian yeah. or whatever, and you say, I'm Italian and I'm happy that sand is coming, it reminds me about the way Tony Cairoli was approaching the race, you know, like Alessandro, when uh, we go to Riola, is uh, Lupino always saying like, oh, no, there is Riola, this and I hate Riola and Tony's the opposite say, okay fantastic we go to Riola you know and Andrea is a little bit like this on uh, about the soils he's really loving uh, uh, the sand uh, I think that uh, they will not ride uh, Lommel no and it's a shame but they will be in uh, or in the Netherlands where uh, I think again it can be of course like the Netherlands is all based on sand so it can be sand again it's a shame that we're not going to Lommel because Andrea loves Lommel with all, all himself and uh, Lommel this year will be completely different uh, compared to the past as they did they they are doing a new track complete new track and this is funny because uh, it's not enough sometimes to reverse the track sense yeah. you know it's better to do when you have the sand that you can create something new it's nice also to do something completely new so we will see yeah, it's exciting, mate. That's for sure. And obviously, yeah, Andrea's uh, looking looking really good. He's just got that speed advantage, and it's kind of like, yeah, we'll be happy to see him win this title. Hopefully, if all goes to plan, and then see how he does in MX2, uh, or if he even makes a step up to MXGP because uh, he's a huge man, isn't he? So either way, it's exciting future for him because I think he could come in and slot in quite nicely just to MX2 at least to start with. The numbers. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that Andrea can do very well. Uh, he's a worker, he's a hard worker, uh, he's a good talent, he's not, to me, not a pure talent. So he's one guy that need really to work very, very hard uh, to, to reach uh, whatever he, he do. But that's... And the confidence is important for him, you were saying too. Yes, yes, it's uh, it's a kind of uh, a little now it's it start to be a little bit different. Eh? The, this difficult year last year was uh, necessary to him to believe more in himself, and now I think he has changed a lot on this side. That uh, is much more secure, much more mature, also. Uh, but uh, Andrea is on uh, the end of the contract this year. For sure, for him to stay in Yamaha would be a priority, but uh, there are plenty of. Uh, request and teams that will approach him I think uh, and even more if he will uh, succeed in uh, a year mix 250 
as he will be one of the few only riders that uh, were able to win 1 to 5 and 250, like uh, Thibaut Beniston, for example. Yep. If, uh, again, I'm not the, the manager of uh, the Yamaha Europe, but in case uh, I was, I really would like to, to keep Andrea. I will do whatever is possible to keep Andrea under the blue colors. But we also have to remind that uh, next year we will have a new factory team uh, in uh, MX2, who is uh, the British uh, constructor mm -hmm. Triumph that is probably looking for good riders to yeah. to enter. And Andrea can fit a team like that. And the next one, uh, there will be probably Ducati coming yeah. in MX2. So uh, there will be some more spot for the factory riders uh, and that will be interesting. But honestly, uh, I hope for Andrea and I hope for Yamaha that uh, the history will go on in this way and uh, it will be nice, honestly. Yeah, it's good there's some more options for these riders coming up and obviously it's not the easiest. Yeah, uh, yeah the money in the sport's always tight and so they have some more factory teams. Um, yeah, yes. it's always good for everything. And uh, yeah, just to close out, mate, just any final thoughts? And uh, yeah, I guess heading to France, we'll, we'll probably have a chat next week. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be certainly a good, good round and... Uh, just it's looking pretty dangerous how good hurlings is really isn't it mate yes absolutely i agree completely i cannot not agree yeah mate all right we'll yeah. just uh yeah thanks for your time and we'll just give the sponsors a shout out monster energy box racing parts europe scott bell helmets acherbys as3 performance kawasaki uk ktm uk and of course even strokes for all their incredible support as without them none of this would be possible so uh thanks again lorenzo for joining us it's been a, another ripper podcast mate and all the best and um look forward to chatting again soon thank you too ed and uh, really looking forward to talk again with you from down under ciao ed thanks mate